This is a Gulf Stories moment made possible by StoryLab at the University of West Florida Innovation Institute. Hello again, everyone. From the University of West Florida's Innovation Institute, I'm Christian Garvin with another Gulf Stories moment. And my guest today, Nicole Grinnan, research associate and public archaeologist from the Florida Public Archaeology Network. Hello, Nicole. Thanks for being back on the show. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me. So uh, our topic today is going to be a lot of fun. We're talking about the culture of fishermen based on found artifacts. So the things you guys know about fishermen from a long time ago based on stuff you found. Right. So my research focused on commercial fishing, specifically red snapper fishing here in Pensacola um, around the turn of the 20th century. So we're talking about the late 1800s and the early 1900s. And one of the things that my research wanted to focus on was the culture of these fishermen. And so whether we're getting information from the shipwrecks or from some associated sites from where they lived on shore, we do find out quite a bit based on the artifacts that we find. Um, as far as the shipwrecks go, one of the most interesting things that we see is the transition from short trips on fishing vessels early on to long months at sea uh, later on in the industry. And so what we're finding are kind of the practical items needed for day-to-day living. So we find things like straight razors, toothbrushes, um, hair pomade, and we also find things like a Worcestershire bottle um, that they would use for their food or plates and utensils. So when you when you start seeing these things, it is... I guess it's obvious when you talk about a short trip to a long trip, razors, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Would you see more clothes or clothes doesn't hold up and that's not a thing? Do you all of a sudden see that, oh, they were packing for months? I mean, is that that what's going on? That seems so basic but so cool. Yeah, that's kind of the idea is we're seeing a transition in material culture on these wrecks that correlate to changes in their lifestyles based on how long they're offshore. And so unfortunately, things like clothes don't really last in the underwater environment, but um, we do have glass and Mm -hmm. metals and ceramics that do last really well, and that's typically what we find. So we know there are lots of shipwrecks out there, but for the research you're talking about, it needs to be specifically fishing vessels, right? Right. And and even more specifically, they were fishing for red snapper? Right. Okay. Sounds like you've really narrowed the field. Is that that tough to, to find that specific, uh, you know. It is kind of difficult. And for for my research, I looked at three different shipwrecks. Um, one that was kind of what we call mothballed or abandoned in the Blackwater River. Mm-hmm. Another that sunk probably in a hurricane off of Warrington today. Eventually it was burned down to the waterline, so it wasn't a hazard to navigation. And then a third wreck that's actually off of Dog Island, so further east of us. And only one of those, do we have a good idea that it actually is a fishing schooner? Mm-hmm. The others... It took research into how the ship was built, as well as the material culture, the artifacts that I talked about earlier, to tell us whether or not it was probably a commercial fishing vessel. So tell me something that you have found that you thought, wow, I never would have seen that coming. That's so interesting. Well, one of the things that was really interesting looking at commercial red snapper fishing and, you know, the real story is to get at the guys who are out there on these fishing boats and then their families back home on shore. And so I talked about some of the finds we made on the shipwrecks, but what was really interesting was looking at the sites on land associated with these families and these men who were fishing. And what we find is that they're living in incredibly diverse neighborhoods in downtown Pensacola. They're living among people who, you know, we would think typically in the 20th century maybe they weren't living next to. So we see white and black families mixed together in the same neighborhood. Most of these were on the west side of South Palafox Street in the neighborhoods over there, commonly kind of called the tan yards today. 
So not only do we have white and black families living together in this neighborhood, but we also see folks from Sweden, Norway, Italy, Greece, England, among a variety of other countries. So it was incredibly diverse downtown. So, okay, last thing I'll ask you. Um, you, you know all this stuff. You know so many things happening that happened a long, long time ago. When you're driving around Pensacola, northwest Florida, is it different for you? Do you see things? Are you constantly thinking, I know what was there 200 years ago? I mean, do you think that way? It seems like you know so much. It must be really incredible. I think, you know, for me personally, it gives me a greater appreciation for our town today to know that, you know, there were people walking here. I mean, not we talk a lot about the historic period and 100 years ago, not even then, but thousands of years ago in prehistory. And so I guess it, it grounds me to the landscape a little more and gives me an appreciation for, for the wonderful place that we live. So interesting. Nicole Green, appreciate the insights very much today. Thank you very much. For more golf stories, visit uwf.edu slash golf stories.